Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. It's your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I have a very special guest. It's been a year, but I have Patrick McKay from Independence, Missouri. And we did a Thanksgiving special last year called a Latter-day Thanksgiving. We decided we're going to make this an annual event where I have my friend here, Patrick McKay, who uh, you are in Independence, Missouri. And uh, first of all, one of the highlights of my life was last year was uh, doing the Book of Mormon rally. Um, we did that last October. Hopefully we'll be doing that again. And I actually have a few evangelicals lined up that are interested in talking at the Book of Mormon rally next year. So Patrick has been kind of, has that been involved with this channel before my first episode ever aired and kind of had a real impact on it. So I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, it's been a year since I had him on. Well, I got to have him on for Thanksgiving. Patrick, welcome to the program. Well, welcome, Stephen. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. This is a great time of year, a time of, of, uh, opportunity to show our gratefulness and our gratitude to Almighty God for our nation, for the restored gospel, and all the blessings that he's bequeathed upon us. Now, in my thumbnail, I refer to you as an apostle. Now, you don't like to talk about that, but you are affiliated with a particular group. Perhaps you could give people some background on uh, your group. Okay, I was raised in the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and beginning in the late 50s and with rising thrusts thereafter, there was a uh, a demystification of the unique teachings of the Restoration, and the church began to transition away from Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, uh, the concept of Zion, the restored priesthood, etc. And that culminated in, in 2001, the church changed its name to the Community of Christ. But prior to that time, in 1984, a Restoration branch was formed. I was a part of that first branch. And from that time, there's been a proliferation of branches, and we're called Restoration Branches of the Church of Jesus Christ. In 2005, a number of those branches, there were 76, met together and held a conference. And that conference afforded the saints the opportunity for the first time since Restoration Branches has existed to have voice and vote in the business of the church. And our, our organization is primarily involved in doing missionary work. I've had the privilege to travel uh, in Asia, in Europe, in Africa, in the South Sea Islands, and of course, throughout the United States. So that's a little bit about the Joint Conference of Restoration Branches. We're not a church, we're a conference, and but we do believe we're part of the church in continuity. Okay, and, and just so you know, uh, you know, in, in 1984, uh, basically what happened was uh, the first of all they they were going to announcing the building of the temple but also that they were going to confer the uh, priesthood on women and, and that caused some controversy at the time and so about a third or about 30 25 30 percent of the people left the art what was the rlds church and and then uh and then so you're one of those groups that you're basically you said you're in a, a loose affiliation of of like-minded churches branches within the in, within the independence area and of course you it's a worldwide movement as well so then you know again folks one of the things is every every branch of the restoration is welcome onto this program and patrick has really been a really great gift to this channel because you've been able to kind of give me a perspective you know because you have the dominant narrative of the community of christ and of course i have a very good relationship with the community of christ and i don't know if you all saw my episode last week with evan charley uh what's happening with the community of christ and and, and there's speculation that a the, the next prophet, uh, uh, president of the community of Christ could possibly be a female. So this would be a further kind of moving away, if you, in your, from your perspective, of moving away from maybe the uh, restorationist aspect of, uh, of, of the church and more into a mainline Protestant direction. 
And then you're kind of like your group, the, you're, you're trying to maintain what the RLDS was in the past. Would that be a fair assessment? Right. We're trying to just simply be faithful to the original beliefs and practices of the reorganized church. And so uh, we're a, a confederation of uh, branches that are loosely affiliated. There are branches in the restoration that are not a part of the joint conference branches, and they're also a part of the church. Right. But we've simply focused on giving voice and vote and doing missionary work throughout the world. That's been our primary emphasis. Well, one of the things I really appreciate about you is that when you, you what you're trying to do is to get all the churches of the Book of Mormon believing churches, churches that have, if, if you will, will have claim uh, Joseph Smith as their founder. You want to get them back together and talking to each other. You want to kind of bring restore the restoration in one sense by getting all these churches back together, which I think is a really cool thing. One of the things you do is you do, you do like conferences where you have professors from BYU come out to independence. You also do your Book of Mormon rally in which you have different groups, people from representative of many, many of the major groups within the restoration speak. I think that's a really commendable project that you're doing. And we've talked about that in past interviews, but I think it's also in, in line with the season of Thanksgiving. You know, we're, we got to be grateful, one, because we I do love America and this and in, 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 in this country and its history and the sacrifices that people made. And and so often we live in this society now that's kind of being torn apart. And mm -hmm. we, we are uh, it's just kind of sad to see what's happening. And so it, this, hopefully Thanksgiving is that that season in which people can come together at the table. Perhaps you have family members that you don't agree with on politics and religion, but you can sit and break bread with each other. And that's the important thing is that, that 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 we could use more of that in our society. What do you say to that, Patrick? Well, that's absolutely true. You know, if if we've come to know Jesus and claim His atoning blood in our lives, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be grateful. And uh, He is, as you like to refer to, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, so we promote Him. We promote His gospel. We believe the restoration has a unique testimony of Jesus as it's captured in the Book of Mormon. We believe that we're pilgrims that came to America uh, that, that we're familiar with in, in the Thanksgiving story, but we believe that we're pilgrims that preceded them. We believe the Jaredites were brought here to Joseph's land. We call this Joseph's land, the, the uh, land of milk and honey. Uh, Joseph was separated from his brother, and he was given a land of uh, beyond the seas. Um, and we believe that, that America is a choice land. And of course, the, the Nephites and the Mulekites also came to America, as well as the pilgrims, the Puritans, uh, where we get our Thanksgiving story from. So it's a combination of all of these events that cause us to be mindful of the fact that God has been in the matter. Uh, we believe in a providential hand of history, that God has guided, led, and directed people to this continent to raise up uh, this nation so that he could birth this church bring it forth out of the very wilderness to which the pilgrims came. You know, they came here to uh, flee persecution, to establish a plantation, to build a holy city, and to bear testimony to the American Indian. And those are all ideas codified in the restored gospel. So in Latter-day Saintism, we want to fulfill the Puritan hope as it's realized in the concept of what we call Zion, a city on a hill a people that are prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ, where there's no poor, where every man seeks interest of his neighbor, doing all things with an eye single to the glory of God. I think that's a winning message for anybody. Um, I think people want to be loved, they want to be appreciated, they want to be provided for, and they want to have hope. 
And if the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't do anything more than this, it offers hope. It offers hope from the maladies of this life and gives us the promise of a life to come, eternal life with our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Mm, okay. You know, uh, if you were to, uh, you know, it's because it's fascinating, because of course I'm, I'm an evangelical and the Book of Mormon does not function as scripture to me, but I believe that it is a very Christian book. And one of the things I like about the Book of Mormon is it, it is kind of like, it's this, it's this story of th these pilgrims, like you said, people who had to flee uh, their lands because often because of persecution uh, because they were forced to. Um, and and so you had this story, of course, like you said, you know, you have the Jaredites who, uh, you know, after the Tower of Babel, then you had, you know, the Nephites with Lehi, you know, they're, they're, they had to flee Jerusalem. And then, of course, we have people like the pilgrims, like the Puritans that had to flee Europe because of persecution. It's kind of a common commonality, if you will, uh, that, that seems to be uh, part of the Book of Mormon narrative. Well, history uh, obviously repeats itself. You know, the, the nature of the children of men hasn't changed from the, the dawn of history. We're still the same. We all partake of a fallen nature. Now, Latter-day Saintism does not teach that we're accountable for Adam's transgression. And so we look at original sin in the sense that we received a fallen nature because of what we inherited from our first parents, but we're not accountable for what Adam did. But we are accountable for what we do. And so we see the gospel of Jesus Christ offers that opportunity at salvation. You know, Stephen, the, the, the very first parents, Adam and Eve, were thankful. They were in the garden. They were cast out. But the scripture promises that the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world in Revelation 8.3. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ goes all the way back to the beginning. They called upon the Lord, and, and we have in Latter-day Revelation, uh, we have evidence that that Adam received the gospel. He taught it to his children. And seven generations later, uh, an individual under the ministry of, a, of Enoch, the prophet, uh, obtained heaven. A holy city was built. And they were translated and taken to heaven. And we have the testimony that that city will come again on the earth. So we have a lot to be thankful for. And out of this message, there are a cornucopia of blessings, if I can use a, a colloquial term this <laughs> sure. year. <laughs> fashioned within the restoration there are gifts the gifts of the spirit prophecy tongues dreams and visions there's the fruit of the spirit love joy peace long-suffering gentleness kindness thankfulness and of course there's the organization of the church apostles prophets pastors teachers uh with all of its helps and governments that he might perfect the saints the apostle paul says we labor diligently that we might present all men perfect in Christ Jesus. Latter-day Saintism carries that same message. We believe that we can be perfect in Christ and that we can be prepared that when he comes again, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. That's an awful lot to be thankful for. You know, it's so fascinating because, you know, actually you brought up the city of Enoch and Zion and everything. That, and I actually have a question for you that I actually asked another person, but I have, they haven't gotten back to me. So basically, you believe that the city of Enoch, the Zion, will be established in Independence, Missouri, and that Christ will return there. Is that is that would that be correct? Well, we wouldn't call that the city of Enoch. We would call that the city of Zion or the, the New Jerusalem here in America. Okay. But we okay. do believe that there is a city that was caught up. Oh, OK. The, the New Testament talks about how how uh, Enoch was caught up or right. was translated. The inspired version, which is a 
an emendation that, that came through the prophet Joseph Smith elucidates for his additional testimony that Enoch uh, preached and his people obtained heaven. They became righteous and they were caught up. And the promise was that God would return them to the earth in the latter days when he comes to make up his jewels. Okay. And so within, our, within the Christian tradition, we have the New Jerusalem coming back in the old world. So I'm just curious, are there two, are there going to be two cities that uh, in, in, in the last days, one, one in Jerusalem and one in independence? Well, just like there were two kingdoms during the time of, of Rehoboam and, and uh, Jeroboam, the, the, the sons, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the kingdom was divided. The 10 Northern kingdoms became what we call Israel and Judah and uh, Benjamin, and then part of Levi, they were in the southern kingdom, and we call that the kingdom of Judah. Those two kingdoms have been divided. Uh, Judah has retained its identity, and Israel was sifted among all nations. Part of the Latter-day message is to declare the gospel that he can gather Israel in the last days to Zion here in America, and the Jews will be gathered back to Jerusalem. And both of these places represent holy cities that God will gather his people, and the enmity between Judah and Ephraim will be broken, okay. and they'll become a united kingdom once again under the ministry of Jesus Christ. Okay, well, thank you for answering those questions. I, I'm so fascinated by this concept, and of course, let's talk a little bit about Zion. What does that mean? Now, uh, is is it, it, you believe it's a literal gathering that pe people will come back to in, in Jackson County, um, that's that's that that's an important scenario. Just like how many people in the evangelical world believe that because Israel becoming a nation again and the Jews returning to Israel are also a sign of the end days. Would that be a fair uh, assessment there? Uh, that's true. Now we believe that Zion is a couple of things. We okay. believe that the kingdom of God is within us. Okay. We also believe there's a, an actual literal kingdom. We believe that Zion is both a condition as well as a place. Latter-day Revelation refers to Zion as the pure in heart, but it also says it is a place which he has appointed. And so those that are pure in heart that embrace his message will be gathered. And we talk about the gathering to Independence, Missouri, but as the saints gather, as the believers come to Christ, the borders of Zion will be enlarged. Okay. Joseph Smith even uh, prophesied that the day would come when all of the United States would become America. I mean, excuse me, all of the United States would become Zion. Excuse okay. me. So uh, there's millions of descendants of the tribes of Israel. And of course, they're sown among the Gentiles. And there are many Gentiles who don't have a physical, literal um, heritage with the house of Israel, but have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. They also will be numbered among the house of Israel. And that will be uh, an opportunity for them to partake of the same blessings He's no respecter of person, Stephen. Um, the house of Israel has many physical blessings, but just because you're a descendant of Israel doesn't mean you'll be saved. All men are saved on the same conditions, their faith in Jesus Christ, repenting, obeying the gospel, and enduring to the end. And by his matchless grace, we're saved. So this is the thing, is that this is why Thanksgiving in America plays a, a very significant role within your worldview. Just like uh, Columbus is maybe referred to in the Book of Mormon, so we know that it's important what happens in, in, in this nation in many ways, where a lot of Christian evangelicals do find spiritual significance in, the, in Thanksgiving, because it was a Christian thing and, and all that, but also 
um, it plays a role, a, a more literal role within the restoration because it, it, it represents something very significant. Would that be fair? Absolutely. You know, it's funny, if you take the word Jerusalem, and we refer to this as the New Jerusalem, in the middle of that word Jerusalem, you find the letters USA. Right. We, we, you know, we think that, that this is a, a materially blessed country, but it's also under assault today. Our, our Judeo-Christian heritage is being challenged in, in the political arena, in the social arena, today in the educational circles. And there's a lot of conflict in America today. And there's a lot of people who have a lot of different ideas that have changed in the last hundred years from what our founding fathers believed and, and the foundation that our, our country was established on. And so there is a, a real struggle to birth the kingdom of God. You know, this is a little ahead of the story, Stephen, but, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, when I look at the history and, and I read about what they say, they believe Mary was quite young when Jesus was born. And of course, Mary claimed that she uh, conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you had a 14, 15 year old daughter and she came home and said, I'm pregnant, but I, this was because of the Holy Ghost, it would not be a very believable message. But the name Mary itself means, it's the same name as Miriam, and it means bitterness, sorrowful, uh, distasteful. So when Mary birthed Jesus Christ, she goes and takes him to the temple and Simeon prophesies who had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he told Mary that a, a spear shall go through his side to the wounding of thy own soul. Mary struggled to birth the son of God, to bring him forth as his mother. And just like Mary, we struggle to birth the word of God in our lives. But we have testimony of good and great men that have preceded us, going back to the Jaredites, the Nephites, the pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, these individuals laid a foundation for us that we're grateful for, that we appreciate, especially at this time of year. Um, I wanted to ask, just ask you too, uh, and again, because this is, I, I love having different voices in restoration, and actually one of your, you have, this is the, your preferred edition of the Book of Mormon, the story, Restored Covenant edition. Um, maybe just talk a little bit why you're thankful that this this particular Book of Mormon is uh, is has been uh, presented to the world. Okay, a little background on that book. We had an individual in our church named Ray Treat, and he was a real student of the Book of Mormon, and he spent about 30 years looking at all of the manuscripts, the, the fragments of the original manuscript, the printer's manuscript, the 1830 edition, the Kirtland edition, three editions at Nauvoo, and editions since that time that both the LDS and RLDS churches had printed. And he tried to bring the text back as close as he could to its original framework. And so that book does that. It also is written in a poetic style. The words are the same, but the way it's laid out on the page, there's a lot more whiteness on the page. Um, there's The eclipses don't show up like they do in a straight block text. And it's easier to read. There's a great glossary. There's a, a little bit of history in there explaining each book. Yeah, there you can see it, Stephen. Uh, there's a lot of footnotes in there, a lot of room to write on each page. And it's really a terrific read, a lot easier to follow. It's also a little bit bigger text. Um, the, the font is a little bit bigger. It looks more like a Bible. And I think it, it adds to its credibility. So for those reasons, we use it, we prefer it. But I believe every edition of the Book of Mormon 
is sufficient. Just like in the Bible, there are different editions of the Bible that different Christians use, but they all believe that they bear witness enough of Jesus Christ and point men to him. So it's in, in this in this particular edition follows the versification of the RLDS edition? It does. It it follows the chapters of, of the original Palmyra edition. And then it has verses to break down to make it easier to read and follow. The LDS church also uh, broke the book down, but it has many more chapters. Our book of Alma has 30 chapters. I think theirs has 61 or two. And so we're always kind of going back and forth, trying to find, well, where's that verse in your book? Where's that verse in my book? They read very close, um, typographical differences, a little punctuation differences, but they're materially alike, but their versification and chapters are different. So, and one of the other key things that I think is really cool, and um, the Church of Jesus Christ has an edition, um, your, this particular edition, and then Rob Meldrum, he has an edition of the Book of Mormon with, that all share one thing in common, and that is they have the uh, words of Christ in red, a red letter edition of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, um, sure. And, you know, uh, there's every group of the Restoration nearly today has their own edition of the Book of Mormon. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ Bickertonite that we've mentioned before. Uh, originally, they had purchased it from the LDS Church, became familiar with that versification. So when they published their own book, they retained the chapters and verses that you see in the LDS version, whereas the Church of Christ on the Temple Lot or the Church with the Elijah Message, they retain the same versification that we had in the RLDS Church. And then there's there's other groups. The, the, there's a group out in Utah. They they follow an individual by the name of, of Snuffer. And they've published a Book of Mormon. It has different chapters and verses or different versification than all the others. So that's a little confusing. But every group feels the, the need to print their own edition. And it's unique to them. And they're familiar with it. I want to wish uh, Denver Snuffer a uh, happy Thanksgiving, by the way. He came on the show earlier this year and uh, was a great interview. People say it was probably about the best interview ever done of Denver, and I'm grateful. Uh, let me just tell you what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for all the wonderful guests I've had on my program. Um, I'm grateful for people like you coming on my program and educating me, but also then in turn educating my audience on all the different voices and, and uh, expressions and groups within the restoration, which is really what this channel is all about. And uh, so I just think it's really cool. And one of the things I think is really cool what you're doing is that you actually have a YouTube channel in which you make these clips about the Book of Mormon. So why don't you talk a little bit about your YouTube channel? I've been meaning to ask you about this. Uh, and and, and the, you put, they're, they're professionally well-produced. I really like with music and basically just like short segments um, talking about maybe an aspect of the Book of Mormon or in one sense, what your, your, your gratefulness to the Book of Mormon. Well, sure. Thanks, Steve. Well, the, the channel originally began with a Thanksgiving theme, um, and that was my first video. But most of my early videos dealt with the division and the restoration, how we could heal the breach. I've also have many videos that deal with the Book of Mormon. We had a Book of Mormon, um, bring your Book of Mormon to work in school day. So there were seven videos promoting that event. They were short clips that people could look at quickly and, and find a reason to come and support an event like that. We also had a, a set of videos that had to do with the Book of Mormon rally. Again, promoting that, pointing people to the, the signs that were in the city of Independence, the, the huge billboards announcing this event. And again, giving people reason to consider the value of the Book of Mormon. More recently, I've had a series of videos called Book of Mormon Briefs. And these are short videos uh, between two, three minutes long 
And what they do is they take a concept that's within the Book of Mormon and try to use that concept to persuade people outside the restoration to consider the value of the Book of Mormon. And so it takes topics that, um, you know, we're real good at telling the story to our own people, but we really need to share the book with those outside the restoration because the book is available to all men. And so that's that's kind of what those later videos do. I call them Book of Mormon briefs. They're short little vignettes, vignettes. So people don't have to spend a lot of time wading through something, but they hear something impactful, something that's quick, that's that's uh, cutting edge, hopefully, and inspires them to pick up that book and and ask God for an opportunity to read it and and see if there's a witness to the truthfulness of it. So, you know, this is going to be our annual tradition. I can now call this the an annual event because now we've done it for a second year in a row uh, of you coming on and, get, and telling uh, talking about a Latter-day Thanksgiving. Um, I'm just curious, there's that guy with a beard behind you in that photograph. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about him? Just like I asked last year, I'm going to ask again. Well, that's a picture of Joseph Smith III. He's the son of Joseph the Martyr. And he was about 12 years old when his father was, was murdered. 16 years later, he accepted the role as the, the president of the reorganized church, prophet, seer, and revelator. And that picture uh, depicts him when he's about 50 years old. That's a deer graph that was found in the Kirtland Temple. It had a watermark on it. Uh, it had been damaged a little bit. It was going to be thrown away, and I was able to retrieve it. And I framed it, and so there it is. And uh, Joseph Smith was a pragmatic prophet. Uh, he guided the reorganization. After the death of Joseph, the church went in several different directions. And there are believers in the restoration, all of these groups. But I claim my heritage coming out of the reorganized church. And we looked at Joseph Smith, accept him as a prophet. And he brought many prophetic pronouncements to the church to guide it and redirect it. Um, that there might be continuity. You know, the name Joseph itself means to continue. Hmm. We believe Joseph Smith was like Joseph of Egypt. And then his son succeeded him. And, and so in the name Joseph itself, it means to continue. So we be believe the Latter-day work has continued through the loins of Joseph Smith. Um, I just want to know, what's it? Uh, so you're in Independence, Missouri right now. Uh, what is Thanksgiving? Uh, are all the leaves off the trees? Is it, is it snowy? What does it look like? It's not snowing. It's a nice day today. And uh, a lot of the trees have already lost their leaves. Um, sometimes we have snow by Thanksgiving, but we haven't this year. We've had a couple of flurries, but it's warmed back up. Um, it's not as warm as it, as it is there with you in Florida, but it is pretty nice and, and pretty comfortable. We've had a real beautiful fall and we have a lot of foliage here in the Midwest in the fall. And we really have some pretty spectacular uh, portrayals of the majesty and the, the beauty of God that he paints with these various trees. Uh, we have a lot of maple trees back here. So I'm just asking because, see, this is the thing, you know, people are asking, are you going to be, my friend Jeff McCullough of Hello Saints, uh, he will probably be relocating uh, to Utah, um, which is a very exciting thing. Of course, he's an evangelical pastor. And of course, you met him at our, our meetup in Independence uh, earlier this year. And uh, people have asked, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I can see myself relocating to Utah, but I said, I also could see myself relocating to Independence, Missouri. So now you got to lobby. You're going to, you can lobby me if you want, because I thought there's so many different expressions within the restoration. I literally can 
you know, go visit a different restorationist branch every Sunday um, and, and also talk to many of these people. And that's really a great privilege. That's why I love independence, because it really is this cornucopia, if you will, of the restoration. Sure, there's a lot of churches that are headquartered here, and that's because we believe that this area was pointed out by the very finger of God to be the place for the holy city. And so um, everybody has their finger here to one extent or another that's connected to the restoration. And we all believe that God is going to fulfill his promises, that he's going to build Zion. And we believe it has to begin here, and it will, of course, spread out. But we believe this is the center place. And so we claim this as a land of promise. It has a great heritage. We have a great future here. So this is the land of Zion. It's not yet Zion. We're not yet pure in heart here as a people. But we believe this is the place for the city of Zion. And we, we labor and yearn and long and pray and look for that. And all groups of the restoration are doing that. They're longing for Zion. They're praying. They're preaching. They're testifying. They're looking forward with an eye of faith. From that day when we will see, shall see eye to eye when he shall bring again Zion. You know, it's been, uh, this channel has been around for about a year and a half now. A lot of things in our world has happened over this course of a year and a half. Just over the last couple of years, um, in looking back in the retro, how much our world has changed, um, all the tumult that we've gone through. I just want to ask you, what are you most thankful for right now, this time of year? Well, I'm most thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, when I was a young man, I was raised in the reorganized church. And like a lot of church members, I, I just grew up in the church. Uh, my father was not a member. My mother was. And she religiously took us to church. In fact, my mom had a drug problem. She drug us to prayer service and she drug us to preaching services. She drug <laughs> us to camps. And that's how I grew up. But honestly, I had never read the scriptures. I had read a verse here and a verse there. And we would have little devotions at church or we'd have Sunday school and I'd get a lesson. And, and through osmosis, I learned several things, but I had never really read the Book of Mormon, never read the New Testament. And when I, uh, between my sophomore and junior year in college, I decided to read the Book of Mormon. So I read the Book of Mormon and I read the New Testament that summer and my life entirely changed. I met someone I'd heard about all my life, but I'd never known. I met Jesus and he changed my life. And he set me on a course that I'm so thankful for, Stephen, that he is the light and life of my soul, that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that I have a hope of eternal salvation, and that I believe he's placed his arms around me to guide, protect, and lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm also very thankful for the heritage I have in the church. You know, there the Slavic people had a custom that whenever they erected a new structure they would put under the cornerstone a living creature i suppose it was their idea that by doing so they would impart life to that inanimate structure well under the restoration there are great and good men that are buried under the cornerstone of zion and they have given perpetuity and purpose and continuity to the latter-day message because of the quality of lives they have lived i'm thankful for them i'm also very very thankful for my wife my sons, my grandchildren. I'm even thankful for my little puppy here, Boris. All right. There's yeah. Boris. I met Boris him. just turned seven. And uh, so we're thankful for all the, the cornucopia of blessings that he's bestowed upon us. I'm thankful for my health. You know, I, I'm very grateful. I take one prescription medicine. It's, it's a pain reliever. So I do have some back pain. Very, very grateful for my health and 
and um, the opportunity to travel, to declare the gospel, to meet people throughout the restoration and people throughout the world. Like I said, I've been on many continents, but the opportunity to testify and witness of him. And you know, Stephen, there isn't anything that's more wonderful than to lose yourself in the service of the Lord. And when you do so, you find the most amazing individuals. You find people that are looking for hope, for consolation, just like Simeon of old. He waited for the consolation of Israel. And the children of men are waiting for the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that he presents to them. So at the Thanksgiving season, we have the opportunity to remember our heritage, not only as Americans, as members of this great nation, but also as Latter-day Saints, because we also have pilgrims in the Book of Mormon that came to this land. And we join that with the traditional pilgrim Thanksgiving story here in America. Yes, I'm oh, thankful. Thank you so much for the blessing uh, me and edifying our audience with all that you're thankful for. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, uh, you do organize different conferences and things with the, in mind to bring the restoration together. What do you have coming uh, coming up in the next year or so of, uh, of something that's maybe in the planning stages of what you uh, hope to do? Well, as you know, we went through this pandemic where we had for, for eight years, we had a, a Book of Mormon symposium here in Independence where we had um, eight speakers. Uh, we had four each night, two nights. We had them from different branches of the restoration and even outside the restoration and also from professors from BYU. Well, that went into a hiatus because of the pandemic. But this last fall, I visited BYU and we're regenerating that. And we hope to have a symposium slash Book of Mormon rally here in Independence in the fall, in the spring. And we'll be keeping you up to Great. date on that. We'll keep you abreast. And so we want to have a symposium where we have speakers talk. They have about 30 minutes to speak about some aspect of the Book of Mormon to magnify it to share its, its unique message. And then we also want to have a Book of Mormon rally where we have an opportunity to get excited about it. It's not as much like a church setting. It's more like a rally you had in high school. We're not going to have pom-pom girls or cheerleaders, but, but we are going to have excitement. We're going to have music. We're going to have energy. And we're going to have a lot of people uh, speaking, participating in this to give us an exciting message of the hope that we have in the Book of Mormon and in Jesus Christ. Well, Patrick, I'm glad that you got the memo about uh, wearing earth tones, orangish uh, for the holiday season. This is great. We're coordinated. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you, I'm really thankful for our friendship. And uh, I just want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Well, Stephen, I'm thankful for our friendship and thank you for the invitation. I pray that your channel will continue to uh, be magnified out there, that what you've done, Stephen, in this channel that I'm so grateful for is that You've allowed us to meet people and begin dialoguing that we never would have known. And the best way for people to come together is to interact, is to talk, to share, and to listen. You know, I think we have to be demonstrative when we want to listen to people. So often we're, we're so anxious to say what we want to say that we miss what they're saying. I think if you listen to somebody, you find out there's a lot of commonality that we have and a lot of areas that we can build relationships on that can grow and become something very special. And I think our relationship has become that way. And I'm grateful that you've taken time to reach out to me, invite me into your life, let me be a part of your channel and have an opportunity to meet a lot of people that you've now introduced me to. Uh, very grateful. Met Christopher 
Thomas out there in Utah that you told me about so long ago. Uh, the evangelical Pentecostal uh, individual, quite a guy. Yep, absolutely. Me. Absolutely. So this is great, folks. Uh, again, I want to wish my audience a happy Thanksgiving. I also want to remind you that uh, if you would like to support the oh, first of all, don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the notification button when a new episode comes out. In the description, I will have links for those of you who'd like to financially support the channel, whether it be through Patreon or PayPal, as well as our merch store, uh, mormonbookreviews.com, in which you can buy coffee mugs, uh, t-shirts, uh, hats. I even have a mouse pad that's MBR, stickers, whatever. And those also help uh, financially support the channel as well. Um, I just want to remind my audience, the most important thing is all the voices of the restoration will be heard here on Mormon Book Reviews.